0: Good to have you back to episode 305. Kurt Mortensen here to maximize your influence, your income, your life, your relationships, whatever it is that you're trying to work on. This is the place to learn those soft skills that we should have learned in school because everything you want in life is on the other side of persuasion. You wonder what's taking so long? Uh, Persuasion, influence, negotiation, critical life skills. Glad you joined me today. We're to talking about why introverts are now more persuasive than extroverts. Kind of interesting what the science is showing. We got a combination. I guess it would be a blunder, a little blunder and ninja, some listener email. And of course, the geeky article. Little weird. Just got back from a three day advanced leadership event in Las Vegas. Three days on teaching leadership skills to some upper managers, and it was in Vegas. I don't know, there's something about Vegas that just sucks the life out of me. There's so many subconscious triggers. There's so many things happen, There's so much stimulus. I think it just wears people out after a while. I don't know how you could actually live on the Strip or anywhere near there because I guess maybe get used to it after a while. But shout out to that group. We had a lot of fun. We learned a lot. We even talked about, see if you know the answer to this one, what is the difference between a leader and a manager? Because all managers think they're leaders. Well, they did what I said. Well, no. A manager, you do it because you have to. A leader, you do it because you want to. One tends to be more short-term. Leader tends to be more long-term. So massive changes in the world of leadership, not only in the United States but around the world. It's a higher form of persuasion, obviously, because charisma comes into play. And you really can't use the tools. I'm the boss. You have to force. Being a leader is a completely different ballpark. So let's do the blinja. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> now if you're new, that means it's a combination of a blunder and a ninja. Something bad and good in the world of persuasion. And it happened to me and my daughter. I got a phone call from the school from the high school that there's a flat tire. She's got a flat tire, right? No big deal. I put the tools in the car, going to go change the thing, and I can't get the lug nuts off because they're a weird, strange size. Nothing in the car worked. First time we ever change a tire in this car, so I'm like, a little frustrating. So, all right. What's quicker? Call AAA, get a tow truck, or, you know, try to find the right tool for this thing. And it looked pretty unique, so AAA got the call, and this guy was the blunder. He was so friendly, so optimistic, you wanted to hit him almost. <laughs> you seen that happen before where people are just too optimistic, too friendly, especially in a situation where your car's not working, you're in a flat tire, it's a negative situation, you're kind of bothered about the time you're wasting doing that. When people are too optimistic and friendly, it could rub people the wrong way, and it did, if both of us. We didn't even talk about it at the time, but later we talked about how this guy just rubbed us the wrong way. And there were other subconscious things going on too, but he was rubbing us the wrong way. So especially when you're delivering bad news or going to a bad situation, you probably want to tone it down just a little bit and bring them up eventually, obviously. There's no doubt that optimism is part of charisma, that optimism makes you more persuasive in the right situation in the right amount. You still got to be realistic about Right, People's bad moods and uh, the situation they're in and all the negative things sometimes you have to say as a leader, as a manager, or even as a persuader. Then contrast that to tow truck driver. Now, the AAA guy was over the phone right? That's just how much he was pushing our money. It was all over the phone, sitting in an air-conditioned office somewhere, being optimistic. It was part of the challenge. But then here comes a tow truck driver, just good guy, willing to help. Actually, the plan was to tow it someplace to a tire place to find the special part, but he happened to have it. He showed me what it was, gave me the exact number. I like could get it off of eBay and was very friendly and was very helpful. I took his card if I ever need him later on. He just came across as more sincere, more willing to help. Both people helped. It was just kind of the way the help came across. And that's where those subconscious triggers, those feelings where sometimes you're just rubbing people the wrong way. And that's not a good thing because you're probably trying to persuade people how you like to be persuaded. So this AAA guy loves optimism, but not everyone does in every moment. So two very different scenarios on the same day to solve my challenge. One was very likable and will probably do business in the future. One, I don't know, he might get on the phone when I call again. Hopefully not, but yeah, rubbed you the wrong way. Now it's time for listener email. Remember, if I read your email on the show, you get the free gold access to Influence University at influenceuniversity.com. And this one will go to Ken from Houston says, Kurt, just found the podcast. Love it. Thank you so much. We were together last month in Houston talking about influencing without authority. I've already seen massive gains in my income and my ability to influence. Awesome, Ken. I saw this article online about listening hacks, and I thought of you. I was wondering how you compared it to your listening system in your book, Persuasion IQ. Ken, great link. Let's go through it. Let's count it as our geeky article of the week. Oh, boy. Let's go through these 10 active listening hacks. Let's see if we agree or disagree, or if we can add a little content to help you out. This comes from Psych Central and the book Supervisor Savvy from Ludin and Capozzoli. We got that name right. And if you notice, I titled the show about how introverts are now more persuasive than extroverts. It's true. It's a change. It's a shift. It used to be that people would only hire extroverts to do the persuading do the selling. Now it's changed. We're more resistant. Extroverts are more salesy, more pushy. Introverts are more consultants. They're better listeners. They ask more questions. And that's why... They become better at persuading. They're getting more information. Instead of data dumping and vomiting on somebody and throwing those persuasion darts, they find out exactly what the key is. Because that's the big secret. Great persuaders ask three times more questions. They're better listening. But the challenge is it's one of our biggest flaws that we never work on. It's our biggest self-perception bias. We think we're doing okay. We think we're good listeners. In fact, I hate, I've talked about this before, when corporations call me up and want listening training. Whoa, whoa, no thank you. You're like, Kurt, why wouldn't you do that? Because it's a hostile audience. All the bosses sent people to listening training. Everyone there's like, I'm good at this. It's my boss that needs listening training because we all stink. We can all work on it. And in the movie Shrek, Shrek says it's like an onion. You peel back the layers, and that's what questions and listening will do for you. They'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them if you listen and ask the right questions. not just talking about hearing, but truly listening with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. And remember, for most of you, pausing to reply is not listening. Being silent to be polite is not truly listening. You gotta dig deeper, peel that your away. And we stink. Why do we stink? Probably because lack of training. Another one's our attention spans all time low and our brain jumps to a new thought we want to cut in before we forget it. There's a variety of reasons. Just don't up to it. We stink. We can all work on this. This is all something that we can really use to become better persuaders. So, Ken, let's go in the article, 10 Active Listening Hacks. Let's take a look at some of their points and see if we agree or disagree. Say active listening is more than just hearing the person who is speaking. Instead, the approach requires both ears and minds. Of course, I added earlier heart, the subconscious trigger. What are you feeling? What's going on? Why are they saying certain things? You see, active listening also helps us tune into the employee's emotions. I will agree with that. That's one way to do it. If you have emotional intelligence, if you're missing that piece, maybe not so much. You might miss a few things. It doesn't just automatically happen. You have to train yourself to do that. They said, so when you become a better listener, people feel that you care more. I agree with that. It's people skill 101 when you're actively listening. People like you more. There's just something about that. So let's take a look at those hacks. Number one, stop talking. Well duh, that's the only way you can listen, but it's good advice. I mean, sometimes we just keep talking and talking, don't realize that they're trying to talk, and you're just missing some important pieces. That's why again I say ears, eyes, and heart. You know, focusing on their words, how they're saying those words, their body language, that's gonna tell you a lot more than just pretending to listen. Number two, create a sense of ease. I mean, you want people to feel comfortable. I guess it would depend on the conversation. If this is the time you got to have that talk, they're going to get fired, you've got the bad news, you might not want a sense of ease because sometimes if you're too nice and they're at ease, they don't think it's a big deal. Sometimes you got to expand that gap and say, no, it's a really big deal. But if you want them to feel comfortable, obviously remove objects between you. Is it appropriate just have two chairs instead of a table between you? That intimidates some, but that makes others feel more comfortable and open. And about seating, too, when you have two women, sitting direct across is the best way to do it. Two men on a slight angle. It's less confrontational. You might want to consider the temperature of the room. You know, 100 degrees if it's an interrogation. (laughs) Maybe not. But a good temperature. Uh, Proximics, the study of space. We've done podcasts on that before as far as how close you sit. And that's going to vary by culture. And I think a big question, we talk a lot about this in negotiation especially, is where? Do you need the upper hand? It better be in your office. If they're going to feel really intimidated, you want them to be a little more relaxed, so let's go to their office. If maybe we're something a little neutral, let's go to the conference room. I mean, we've got options here. So yeah, a little bit of both on that one. Make eye contact. Well, yeah, of course. You want eyes. I think the mistake here is we do too much eyes. We start to stare a little more because we want to show them we're actively listening. and. When you are looking at someone one hundred percent of the time, as we've talked about, you are getting angry or upset or falling in love. Mere their eye contact, I put money on you might be doing too much, trying a little too hard. We talked about it. Ooh, it was a couple months ago on fubbing. That was the word of the show, which means looking at your cell phone or your computer screen when you are talking to somebody. Again, if you had a great relationship, it's not a stressful conversation. Don't worry about it. But, of course, eye contact, not 100%, but good eye contact. Mirroring their eye contact can be very, very helpful. Number four, make time. Well, okay, yeah, you, you've got to have the time. You want to reduce outside distractions. Can you turn off the ringer in your phone? Can you turn off the dinger on your email? Can you put up a do not disturb sign? Whatever it is, that shows a lot. If it's that really important conversation, you might want to think about doing that. But if they're coming in with this big crisis and you're also pressed with time, you've got to maybe reschedule it. All right, let's do this tomorrow morning. I've got this thing coming up. Or maybe say, look, I've got 10 minutes now, but we're going to have to finish the rest tomorrow. Would that be okay? Those are situations that you can do with the time. So obviously, if you're pressed for time, if you're rushed, it screws with your brain. It, it makes you think differently. Studies do show that that when you're rushed, you're just not thinking straight. In fact, they did a study with people studying to become priests, And they gave him the story of the Good Samaritan. If you don't know, look it up. Somebody was beat up, left for dead, and the only person to stop to help was the Samaritan. But anyway, the first batch, the group, they said, hurry up, you're late. It's a 10-minute walk. What are you still doing here? They're waiting for you. And along the way was someone laying in a doorway that needed help, but only 10% stopped. But when they said, hey, plenty of time, might as well leave now, 10-minute walk, if someone was laying there needed help, 63% stopped, six times more. So it's important if you're feeling rushed or if they're feeling rushed, that could be a very difficult situation to persuade. 63% getting six times higher, a little low for that demographic, but anyway, interesting study. Number five, empathize with the employee. It's hard to do sometimes if their cat just died and you don't care, or they're talking about things that just aren't interesting to you. Or if their team lost the big game, I mean, try to have sympathy. I mean, try to have empathy if you can. I'll, I'll take a little sympathy. Just have to remember it's important to them. Even if you don't get it, don't understand it. Try to get in their shoes. Try to think of something similar that would cause you to feel the same way. At least a little sympathy. Empathy's better than sympathy, but sympathy's better than nothing. What's the difference? Sympathy. You just feel bad. You feel sorry. Empathy. You're really feeling it. You're in their shoes. You know exactly how they feel. Number six, practice a patience. Well, yeah, I mean, you need to have patience. It does take patience to listen because you're busy got things to do. You feel like you're wasting your time sometimes. So I could see this. And a lot of times our brain's programmed to just cut people off and finish the question or finish the objection. And When you do that, you come across as arrogant, and it's just natural human behavior sometimes, so you got to learn how to do that. How do you get more patience? Hang out with (laughs) two-year-olds. They'll teach you more patience. Go to more airports, board more planes. When they treat you like cattle, you'll learn more patience because there's really no way to break the rules and get on sooner than you are allowed to, for for most airlines anyway. Go find someone like the Soup Nazi. If you don't know how that is, that's a, a Seinfeld episode. Soup Nazi was a guy that serves soup, but he had a certain rules, and if you didn't keep the rules, he kicked you out. Or go to other restaurants that just don't care about you, but their food's so good, you're willing to wait. <laughs> Might be another way to do that. There are a few and far between, but they're out there. I remember a local Hawaiian restaurant was that way. I mean, they they were open, only open from 11 to 2. And people hurry, the scarcity, the urgency. And at 2 o'clock, it didn't matter if they had more food. If there was a line, doors locked, gone, you're out. Or if you, <laughs> Or if you didn't ask nicely or said the wrong thing, you could see in your eyes you might not get served. So maybe a fun way or not so fun way to learn patience. Number seven, check your temper. Especially if they're blaming you or way off course or not taking ownership or responsibility for where they are, that could be an issue. The rule is always only one angry person at a time and it shouldn't be you. Understand that when someone's angry, it takes about 20 minutes to reset. You might want to take a break if that does happen. And anger is, here's the challenge that's not addressed here, is that anger is a, a secondary emotion. What they, they feel they're angry about and what they're really angry about are really two different things. When the dog gets kicked, it's probably not the dog's fault. Roommate got a black guy because they ate their cereal too loud, and probably other issues. Couples that fight over toilet seats and toothpaste, other issues. And so Not only check your temper, but you got to see where their temper is coming from. Now, of course, you need to stay in control, but you need to have the tools, the emotional intelligence to address their anger and know how to deal with that. Number eight, avoid criticizing. Ah, But it's so much fun sometimes. (laughs) But it will shut down the listening process. I agree with that one. And the focus with this, especially with leadership principles, when you're there listening, trying to help somebody out, Trying to find the issue, you gotta come across that you're attacking the problem, not the person. You're there to help them, to serve them, to fix the problem, not to blame the person. When you cross that line, it sounds like you're criticizing, and that could be a challenge. And it might not even be your tent. You're trying to give advice, but those that have low self-esteem are always attacked or feeling bullied. It seems like everyone's attacking them. So even though it was just advice, if it's not verbally packaged in the right way with the right tone of voice, it could come across as criticizing, which will shut down the listening process. Number nine, ask questions. Yes, absolutely. I love it. In fact, the YouTube channel today, we're going to be talking about how do you ask those perfect persuasive questions? Because again, getting great persuaders, three times more questions. So we're going to focus on that on the YouTube channel. Check it out at Maximize Your Influence on YouTube. But the key to questions I wanted to help you understand is that write them down ahead of time. And when there's a lot of tension or criticizing or temper, you need to back up and build dissonance. And if you don't know dissonance, is one of the 12 laws of persuasion in my book, Maximum Influence. I also took a deep dive on podcasts 121 through 123. So if you want to access the archives, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Send me an email. It's there. Take your persuasion IQ test. Get the free book, Maximum Influence, or just take advantage of that free coaching session. There's our plug. There's our commercial at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But Dissonance, bottom line real quick here, you should be asking the questions, leading them down the path where they realize they have a problem, that they need to change, and your solution as persuaders what you want them to do. And 10, stop talking. Well Oh, we already did that one. That was number one. I guess number one and number 10, that's the biggest one. I guess I can go with that one. But part of that, too, is using the silence, the head nod, let them know you're talking to them. But let me give you the one thing that changed my listening. Because I got one of those crazy brains going a million miles a minute, a lot of things happening up there, and I've got an idea, a great idea. I want to help out, good advice. I want to, just like you, break in and interrupt. The secret, the gold, is just bringing a notepad. It's easy over the phone, even face-to-face. You mind if I take notes, and on the left, just write notes, a couple bullets here and there, and on the right, when that idea comes in, just write it down, and you can just feel your tension just go, I don't know if that was the best sound effect, but you just got like the tire pressure kind of just just goes down, and you feel more relieved because you know it's there, and you don't have to be stressed about forgetting it, because it's down, you won't forget it because you wrote it down. Anyway, it works for me. See if that works for you. Or let me know other things that work for you at Kurt, K R T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So thanks, Ken. I'll send you a subscription to Influence University. Appreciate the kind words. Thanks for everyone's support. Of course, remember on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, do a review, hit like, tell your family, friends, and enemies These skills change lives, change your income. They change every aspect of the game. So master this skill. Admit you stink at listening. Use some of these listening hacks and you'll be able to go out and persuade with power.